When you read the Old Testament, you find over and over again repeated statements of remembrance, altars that are formed in order to focus on the various things that, that God has accomplished and done. Every time there was a victory or a significant event, in the Old Testament you had these altars that were made in order to have the people of God and Israel remember. Remember what God had done. Remember how He worked. Remember what happened. And the other thing you find significant in the Old Testament is that God established certain feasts in order to help the people once again remember and to look forward to what God was going to do. In fact, of the feasts we, in the Christian calendar, uh, today we'll celebrate Pentecost. All of these things are designed for the purpose of helping God's people remember. I wonder if that's because we have a propensity toward forgetting. (laughs) We do. That's the nature of the way we are. We tend to forget, and so there's these reminders and these regular events that help the people of Israel remember. And then when Jesus was here with us, he lived his life on the planet, and then when he gave his life on the cross... Prior to that, at one of the most significant feasts of all, the Feast of Passover, he sat down with his, uh, with his disciples, and in the process of sharing the Passover meal, which went all the way back to their freedom from bondage in Egypt, he goes back in this regular yearly event that remembers how God passed over them and God led them out of bondage and into freedom, In that supper, Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it and he says to them, in effect, this bread represents my body, which is given for you. Whenever you do this, remember me. Remember me. And then after the meal, they took the cup and he took the cup and said, this cup is the New Testament. It's my commitment to you in my blood. And as often as you drink this cup, drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus was declaring to the disciples there at the Passover meal, I am, as John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Remember me, Jesus said. Remember me. I really think that uh, many Christians throughout the world Remember Jesus' death, burial, and celebrate communion. I think they also take the time to reflect on the significance of what Jesus did on the cross. His death, his sacrifice. But I've kind of been wondering how many people really take into consideration that when Jesus is talking about remember me... He was not simply and only describing his death. Because, you know, Jesus, when he he was born, he was born as a result of God's miraculous work in the womb of Mary. Jesus didn't show up like Adam, nor like Eve. 
He didn't show up full grown at 33 and a half years old or, tw- or 32 and a half years old and then hang out for a couple months and then go to the cross and die. Jesus spent his life fulfilling his purpose. In fact, if you summarize Jesus' purpose, you can see it in two verses, one Luke 19.10 and the other one's Matthew 20, 28. It tells us that Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And then you combine that with Matthew. It says Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus came to seek, to save, and to give his life as a ransom. That's why he came. But not everyone could do that. In fact, no human being ever born could accomplish that in order to satisfy the justice and the righteous demands of God. God's a holy God and God cannot accept anything that is less than perfect and so no human being could do that. And even as we sang a minute ago, Jesus brought heaven down to us. So Jesus comes... He is made, as Paul says in Philippians, made in the likeness of a human. He becomes a servant. He takes on human form. In the womb of Mary, he is literally becoming a child. He's birthed into this world. And he lives his whole life, his whole life, accomplishing his main primary objective of seeking, saving, and giving his life as a ransom. There are some things along the way that we learn about Jesus. And if you, if you go to a memorial service, usually memorial services are designed for people to remember. Remember. And I know that this is a little bit of a strange twist for just one moment if you hang with me. But most of the time when you go to memorial services, people don't talk about the way you died. Most of the time the focus is on the life. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the significance and the focus of Jesus and his disciples on the cross. I'm not. I'm just trying to say that as as Christians, we ought to expand on that. And we ought to include so much more because Jesus was not just simply a one-day wonder. Jesus lived his whole life in order to fulfill his Father's will and wish and desire to seek, to save, and to give his life as a ransom. So when you think about Jesus as a memorial, what are some of the things that you might remember? And some of you are saying, well, I wasn't there. How how would I know? (laughs) Ah, but you were there. You see, when you become a Christian, your whole life is transformed. You are no longer in Adam. Now you're in Christ. And the history that Christ has is now your history. So when you read the New Testament, you see all the things that he did and all the places that he was, and, and all the things that he accomplished. You have to understand that you're part of all of that now. That's part of your history. Your relationship with him is not just simply his death on the cross. Your relationship with him goes into eternity past and now into eternity future. That's kind of deep for us humans, I think. But I wanted to share with you some of the things that you might remember. 
You might remember that he uh, increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He grew up. (laughs) Jesus was, in fact, a baby. Jesus was a boy, a toddler. Jesus was a teenager. Can you imagine Jesus as a teenager? He grew, the Bible says. He grew. He kept on increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with men. Remember that. Jesus taught every single child and teenager and adolescent. He taught them how to live. And you can see that in some of the other things that he did. But he he increased. The other thing we find is that he learned obedience. I can't wrap my head around that concept of Jesus learning obedience. But the Bible tells us that he learned obedience, Hebrews 5.8. And he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. He learned obedience through the hardship. He learned obedience through the challenge. He learned obedience through the pain. He didn't learn obedience through the ease. He learned obedience through the things that were hard and tough and difficult and challenging. Because he, like you and like me, was very much human. Very much human. Not only that, Hebrews 4.15 tells us that he was, he was tempted in all things, just like we are, yet without sin. So he learned obedience through the things he suffered. He was tempted in every facet of life that you can imagine. Every temptation that you face, every situation that you're in, every opportunity for you to walk away or to not trust or to to disbelieve in the God that you serve and walk with, he was there and faced every single one of those. Even all the way up to the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was there and he said, Father, if... If it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. He learned obedience. He was tempted. He was tempted. I love it when people say, yeah, but he was God. He was God. Did Jesus use his attributes as God, in order to enable him to do the things that he did as a human being? If so, he could not save you from your sin. He was the Lamb of God. He was the perfect human. As a perfect human, tempted in all points just like we are, relying not on his, his attributes as God, relying on his Father, was tempted. And so we learn again in Hebrews 12 too that, that he endured. He endured. I love the verse. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Despising the shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross. Jesus endured all that was before him in order to accomplish all that was set in his plan and his purpose for living and dying. He endured. So if we had a memorial service about Jesus, we could talk about all these things. 
we could hang out and describe Jesus and say, man, you remember when he did this? Remember when he faced that? I was facing this the other day and he faced the same thing and he was victorious. We could remember those things. We could also remember that Jesus was emotional. How emotional was he? Well, the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, says that Jesus wept. Jesus was touched, touched deeply and he had great emotion for friendship and for, and for the people that were around him. And so he was moved deeply. Wept. We can all see that and understand that. But not only that, we find that Jesus was angry. Some people think anger is a sin. Then why does Paul say, go ahead and get angry, but don't sin? Because there is a difference between anger and sin. Sin is what you do with the anger that you have. The anger that you may have may be a righteous anger. In fact, Jesus in Luke 19.45, he entered the temple. He began to drive out those who were, who were selling in the temple. And he said, this is my, my father's house is a house of prayer. He was angry. He was angry at the things that society was doing, especially as it related to his father. He was angry. You see these pictures sometimes and you hear people talk about Jesus as though he, he never confronted any, anybody. He was always kind of this, this, uh, this mellow type of, type of person who, who just basically went around, oh, bless you and bless you. Bless you and yes and amen. Then you read the reality of it and you say, man, remember when he turned over all those tables and he took out the little switch and he drove those characters out of the temple? That was no measle mouth. No snowflake there. So he was, he was very much human. He had compassion, you notice compassion seeing the multitude the bible says the people he felt compassion because they were distressed and and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd in matthew 9 36 he saw people lost wandering i'm sure that sometimes when jesus looked at people people that were literally beside themselves and doing things that they shouldn't do. Jesus felt compassion for them because literally they were, they were out of control and they had nothing to guide them. They had no mooring in their lives. Not only did he have compassion, but we also find that Jesus had a lot of empathy. A lot of empathy for people. We could talk about a lot of people, but there's one example in particular in Matthew 15, 32, where, where Jesus feeds the, the thousands, the 4,000 people there uh, and, and it's interesting that these people are gathered. And listen to what he says. Jesus says to disciples, I feel compassion for the people. And your first thought as, as mine would be, you know, that's really kind of nice. He's a compassionate person. But why? He says, they have remained with me now three days and have had nothing to eat. I feel sorry for these people. Let's feed them. Let's feed them. See, oftentimes when you remember Jesus and you reflect on the motives behind much of what he did, 
you'll see that it was not somehow distracted from reality. It was very much a part of the experiences of people in life. And you also find that, that another form of compassion is described in, in his own story. His own story in Luke chapter 15 and 20, where he talks about the father. The father who sees the son come home, and even while the father sees the son a long way off, he says he felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And so you see this overwhelming joy in the heart of Jesus. I mean, when you think about Jesus and the people that he, that he touched and the lives that he touched, you see incredible joy as people responded to his amazing grace. At the Lord's Supper in John 13, 1, you find his incredibly deep love for his own. Remember on one occasion, uh, Jesus talked about the fact that not everybody will give their lives for somebody. I mean, even, your, even a good, good friend might give his life for somebody. And Jesus says, I've given my life. And so here in John 13, 1, he talks about knowing that his hour had come and that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world He loved them to the end. Oh, how he loves you and me. Deep, deep love. Got a lot to remember, don't we? It's not just a little piece of bread in a cup. It encompasses the whole life of Jesus. His birth, his dash, and the end of his life. It's amazing when you read 2 Peter 1.3, you find out that he granted us everything. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, he granted to us. What a gracious God. What a wonderful Savior. Everything you and I have has been given to us by him. And so we come now to the culmination of his life. We've kind of taken a little quick trip if you will. And now we come to the culmination and I want to spend some time here because this is significant. We all know these truths, but I want you to just package them with me, if you will. Number one, we find that Jesus died for us. He died for us. Romans 5, 8 demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. He died for us. He's sinless. He's perfect. We are the opposite. And He dies for us. He dies so that we might live. He exchanges His life. 2 Corinthians 5.20 it says, he, he who knew no sin becomes sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. What a transfer. What an exchange. What a deal. Never forget. When you think about Jesus dying, you have to keep in mind that he didn't die involuntarily. The Bible says he gave himself. He gave himself. Think of these words by Paul in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Jesus has touched Paul deeply, and so Paul writes, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, 
But Christ lives in me, and, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Gave himself for me. I mentioned this a minute ago in John 10, 18. Jesus says, no one has taken my life from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. You know the, you know the rascals in your life? You know the ones that you have trouble with? The ones that maybe you wouldn't consider spending a day with, let alone giving your life for? Jesus gave his life for those uncles, those cousins, those friends, those co-workers. He gave his life for them. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for you. Nobody demanded, nobody compelled. He willingly did it. In fact, you see this on the cross in John 19.30. Jesus received the sour wine. He said, it is finished. What's finished? He came to seek, to save, and to give his life as a ransom. And it had come to the culmination of that. It's finished. I have done what I was sent and why I came what I was sent to do and why I came. And so we find in John 19.30 that he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. So when we think about Jesus today and we have this memorial and we hear Jesus tell his disciples and thus us, do this in remembrance of me. Yes, we focus on the culmination of that, his death, his burial, his resurrection, without which we would be without hope. But I also think, beloved, that we need to encompass the totality of the life and just reflect on and remember this morning how he was as he grew, how he was as he faced these challenges, how he was as he was tempted, how he was as he endured, how he experienced all the emotions and the drama of life, just like you do. How he was in the midst of this thing called the world, facing the flesh and the devil, and realizing that Jesus, as he went through all of that, was crescendoed. All of that crescendoed at the cross. It embodies for us all that he was, who he is, all that he accomplished, and the blessing that's ours simply by faith. Because it's not by works which we have done, but it's according to his mercy he saves us. Simply by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And so Paul writes, and he says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three to 25 in the complete uh, Jewish Bible written in your program, it says... 
What I received from the Lord is just what I passed on to you, that, that the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had made the bracha, the blessing, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this as a memorial to me. Likewise, also the cup after the meal, saying, This cup is the new covenant affected by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it as a memorial to me. The Old Testament, you find places in Joshua, for example, where they crossed over the Red Sea or the Jordan and they put these monuments and so on and they put them all together and they said, you know, we're going to do this because in the years to come, people are going to say, what do these stones mean? Or Abraham takes Isaac and God provides for himself and there's an altar that's made. The Lord will provide himself, Jehovah Jireh, all throughout the Old Testament. But listen, all of those have significance to events, places, and specific works that God does with his people. The memorial service that we share is not specific to a place. It is not specific to one victory. It is the representation of a victorious God in every facet of life so that you and I, when we get together and we think about Jesus and we remember what he did, we remember who he was, We remember what he accomplished. Literally, our hearts become overjoyed with gratitude. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, as we take time, as we take time right now to remember Lord, and as these elements, the bread and the cup, reflect the totality of the life of our Savior, including, including his death on the cross and the shedding of his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord God, help us to remember. Help us to reflect this morning. Help us to embrace the victory and the victories that are ours because of our Lord Jesus. May we understand that we can have emotions through the entire spectrum and range of emotion and not sin. We can respond to the challenges just as Jesus did of life. And we can have compassion and care for others. Lord, help us to remember today. To remember Jesus. Lord, help us this morning to renew our faith and confidence in the God who became flesh, dwelt among us, showed us the way and lived a sinless life to provide for us the perfect and ultimate sacrifice 
on a wicked and cruel cross. Lord God, if anyone is here this morning and they've not yet embraced the reality of who Jesus is, Lord, help them this morning to put their trust and their confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.